0: Welcome to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you like it, consider joining us at 140 Bowdoin Street in Boston for more, or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org. Good morning. This reading is from Genesis
1: 18, verses 20 to 33. Then the Lord said, how great is the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, and how grave their sin. I must go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham came near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous and with the wicked. Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not forgive it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will forgive the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered, let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it. I find 45 there. Again he spoke to him, suppose 40 are found there, he answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak, suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there, he answered. For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak just once more. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Good morning. morning. The reading today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. The Lord was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And the Lord said to them, Suppose one of your friends and you got to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is a friend at least, and because he is a friend, and because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you, search, and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there anything among you who, if your child asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, Would you give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will be the heavenly Father? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
3: Swedenborg, Arcana, Celestia acts of thanksgiving, adoration, prayer, and like forms of worship, which are emanations from the heart, passing into thought and speech. The human being is a human being, not by virtue of his faith, nor indeed by virtue of his speech, but by virtue of his understanding and will. The character of understanding and will make a human being what he is. It is well known that at birth, nothing constituting his understanding or anything, composing his will exists, and that from earliest childhood his understanding and his will are being formed gradually. In this way he is made a human being, and the kind of human being he becomes is determined by the character of those two powers of mind that have been formed in him. The understanding is formed by means of truth, and the will by means of forms of good. So much so that understanding is nothing other than a mass of ideas such as are related to truth, and is well nothing other than an, an affection for things such as are called good.
0: I have a question that may seem silly at first. How do you pray? It's one of those things that I think many of us maybe who do pray just started doing, and we haven't necessarily been students of prayer. We just we just do it the way we've been taught maybe it was our parents who had a nighttime prayer they said to us and that's what started or maybe it was meal prayers or maybe we learned from television i know people who actually pick up their prayers because they saw it on television they said i'm going to start praying more and so they looked at whatever the popular prayer of the day was how often do you do something like say the lord's prayer there are many people who say it in church, and if their church doesn't say it, they rarely say it. Do you pray at meals? These are all questions surrounding the idea of talking with God. So in the broadest sense, I can ask, how do you talk to God? Are you like Abraham? Do you do, are you a good dealer? Abraham's like 50? How about 45? How about 40? 30? Can we get to 20? Do I hear 10? I mean, the story of Abraham is a clear statement of working with God to say, if there is any good, will God still be just? Talking with God and prayer matters. How many people know the bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. It's a very famous Catholic meal prayer. It actually uh, received more popularity because of Blue Bloods, the TV show, I don't know if you're aware. It is said in almost every episode of Blue Bloods because a central theme around that show is their Sunday meal. And so it's the prayer that they say there. It received a resurgence because of popular culture We also have prayers that we say when we've done bad things, prayers of attrition, such as Hail Mary. And if you're Catholic, I believe that that is a requirement that you learn what that is. I can't repeat it, I don't know it. I'm not Catholic. 18th century congregational bedtime prayer. How many of you know that? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. These are all prayers that have become popular in culture through lots of different ways. Prayer is a very powerful thing for us. Popular prayers, people using God's name and just simply saying, Jesus, please give me, or Jesus, please take this from me, or Jesus, thank you. There's lots of different formulations we see in popular culture. But you know one of the things that popular culture doesn't talk about? The moment before you start to pray. So there's a Jewish prayer in particular. That is, it's the, kind of the way they start almost every Jewish prayer, and it's, The first syllable of the prayer in the breath before sound is taken is said to contain the name of God. So the idea is that before you start to speak, before a sound is uttered, the person has looked and thought about the importance of what prayer means. It's a fascinating thing to look at prayers, and and daily prayers. Um, If one is part of the uh, Islamic tradition, it's five times a day. Five times a day in a certain position, saying certain words in a certain direction, and doing everything according to a pre-set formula is essential. Orthodox and conservative Jews are you familiar with the concept? There's a uh, famous hymn that goes, I bind myself. Or that's like the beginning of the words. There's, and it goes to a Jewish custom where they actually would tie prayers onto their body. Anyone ever seen anyone do this? They actually have a series of boxes where prayers are put throughout their body, and they go through all of the prayers, and they actually put the words of Scripture on themselves. If anyone is on the 18th floor, you... You see the little door. There's one building, one door on the 18th floor that has the, the little prayer on the door jamb. Jewish custom of touching that, which asks for not only a blessing, but acknowledging the, the power of God before they enter and when they leave their home. So how many people have paid attention to the fact that there's recently been a thing in the Vatican about the nature of the Lord's Prayer and what the appropriate words are? The Pope has recently talked about maybe we should shift some of the words we're using. And for some reason it hit the media, which I don't fully understand, because the Lord's Prayer and how we say the Lord's Prayer over a period of time has been probably one of the most hotly debated things in scripture the fight over the word trespasses or debts is a big one the beginning of our father for the last 40 years has been debated whether or not that's our father is an accurate translation people have claimed that they are translating from the original aramaic even though no original aramaic actually exists The oldest forms of it we have, people have tried to translate into the Aramaic and then out of the Aramaic. And with each step, we're getting different ways that people would translate it. Here's my thing. Whether it's the Lord's Prayer or whether or not it's any other prayer, the words honestly do not matter. Does that sound shocking? The words do not matter. We heard, and this is extrapolating a little bit, we heard in our Swedenborg reading today that a person is not human because of their face. They are not human because of their genetic code. For Swedenborg, he says, they are human because of the virtue of the understanding and the will. In other words, if the person is filled with, with the love and wisdom of God, that is what makes them human. That's what the Swedenborg reading is saying. A person is more human because of the understanding and the love that they contain. So here's the issue. The words are just clothing in a prayer. The real thing that makes a prayer is your intention when you say it. If you simply just Say words, but don't feel anything. If you just say the words because you're supposed to say the words because they're printed on the page, then are you actually praying? I'll tell you, if you're doing that, you have a better chance of being praying than if you're just not praying at all. So don't get me wrong. Sometimes just going through the motions is okay. But if you are reading the words and getting distracted about your grocery list, the question is, are you praying? Well, here's the next thing. Let's say you're not saying the words, but you're keeping all of the qualities of prayer in your mind when you're acting or doing something. Then could you still be praying even if you weren't saying words, but you were doing something instead? For anybody who would like to attend our Tai Chi class, which is, on Thursday afternoons at one, 1.30. 1 there would be many people who would argue that Tai Chi is a form of prayer, even though it doesn't involve words, but you have to have the right thought behind the action in order to elevate it to pray. So when you saw a sermon titled Pray Like This and you thought maybe I was gonna give you the best prayer that was gonna make you get everything you ever wanted, It's not about what we do. Pray like this is about the attitude with which we come to prayer. However, our reading today is about the Lord's Prayer. Depending on how we grew up, there are different words. But I want to say there are some aspects to the Lord's Prayer that I would like to explore. It opens up with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And this first part of the prayer is us looking to God. You see, if we do not actually start saying the Lord's Prayer with an understanding of why and what the Lord's Prayer means, it's not that the Lord's Prayer becomes unvaluable, but it won't become invaluable. In other words, if we don't understand what we are saying when we say the Lord's Prayer, it loses its ability to transform us. So the first part of the prayer is looking to God. It's acknowledging God. It's the first step in humility. It is us realizing that we are not the center of the universe. And I'm going to be honest with you. It is hard for me to always be aware that I am not the center of the universe. And I don't think I'm alone. I think it can be very easy for us in the middle of our day to think about our needs, to think about our schedules, to forget about all of the people around us, especially even in a church office that has no windows, that look out to the outside world. You can sit in there and forget that Yugoslavia exists. You can forget so easily. So acknowledging that God exists is the first step in realizing that we are not in in control. And it's a time of submission. And I don't mean submission in an unhealthy way of saying, I have to do what everybody else tells me to do. I mean, it's just merely submission to the fact that we need to be open to things that are outside of ourselves. And then we move on to thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven this section is where we openly state that our desires may not be God's desires. It gives us the possibility for asking the question, am I missing something? It gives us the ability to say, I'm not done cooking yet, and I may need a spice or two added to me. It gives us the ability to look at what we are asking for. And asking whether or not, is this something that God really wants us to ask for? This is actually probably the most conflicted moment of the prayer. Because when we talk about God's will versus our will in this moment, this is where temptation lives. This is where the fight is. And no matter the outcome of that, we move on to give us this day our daily bread, which is almost like saying, look, we may not get it. We may not get the fight right. We may not win the temptation, but can we have at least what we need to get by? The will of God may not be finalized in our thoughts, but we know that when we look back on our lives in times of difficulty, God has been there to give us little bits of help. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In this, we acknowledge that we can oftentimes be wrong. It's humility. We can oftentimes acknowledge that we are hypocritical. It's a time when well, when, we, when we acknowledge forgiveness is an important value. And then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is where we realize that our own desires for our own love and the the desires for the things that we want to control and have, that, that these desires, the temptation is not given to us by God. God does not walk out and tempt us. Temptation comes from our love of the world, from our selfishness, from encountering evil which is trying to control us. True pain of temptation is not from God True suffering comes from our attachment to the things of this world, to our attachment of wanting to be in control, to our attachment of wanting to control the outcome. Very Buddhist. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Is a statement that ultimately... We are not in control. We come to a new place of humility after thinking about all of those things, after we acknowledge God's love and wisdom are in control, and we conclude the prayer with just a moment of silence where hopefully we have grown through the journey we have just been on. How many of you think about that when you say the Lord's Prayer? That the, That's what the words are talking about. We oftentimes just say it, and maybe... Maybe fortunately a piece of fruit falls onto the ground that we pick up when we say it. But the actual prayer that we are going through is saying so much more. I would acknowledge that these steps, submission, openness to the divine, trusting the divine, forgiveness, denial of worldly uh, values, humility, these are the keys to spiritual growth throughout our entire life. Swedenborg, of course, believed that Special angels surround you every time you say the Lord's Prayer. So he would say, just saying it surrounds you with positive power and positive spirits. For those who really like Martin Luther, Luther talked when he had his great faith crisis where he was thrust down to the ground and he felt that he was surrounded by the devil. Saying the Lord's Prayer chased away the evil that he was feeling The Lord's Prayer is a great prayer. It's not the only prayer. The Lord's Prayer is really powerful if you actually understand what you're saying when you're doing it. But what if the thoughts and things that were contained in the Lord's Prayer were part of what we did on a day-to-day basis? You can each pick something, any task, really, whether it's driving, walking, doing your daily job, What if we stopped, acknowledged God, submitted to the fact that we were not in control and that other people's lives were surrounding us? Openness to God, trusting in God, being forgiving, denial of the world values, and ultimately this new sense of humility. What would it look like if every aspect of our day was that thoughtful? I'll tell you, it'd be a lot longer day. I don't know if I could come to everything I do with all of that intentionality. But what if, what if just one act every day we could approach with that level of thoughtfulness? It could be anything. It could be food, it could be getting coffee, it could be before you start driving to work, before you start commuting to work, What if one thing every day we could be thoughtful and say to ourselves that we are not the center of the universe, that we are part of God's plan, that we are open to that plan, that we trust in that plan, that we will be forgiving of all of the people while we are doing this activity, as well as maybe forgiving of ourselves at points. Deny the constant fluttering of thoughts about things of this world that would make us happy. What would it be like if we could do that for just one thing a day? I would argue that it would transform us to be present like that once a day. That is what it means to pray. It does not necessarily have to take the words. If you can't figure out one activity, what would it mean to pray with intentionality once a day? So that is my charge for you this week. Pray like this, with heart and mind. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you liked what you hear, consider joining us at 140 Bowdoin Street, Boston, for more. Or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org.